Amen. Glad you made it tonight. Glad I made it. Amen. Amen. That's right. All right. How about 1 Samuel chapter 16 tonight? 1 Samuel chapter 16. I say it a lot, and I mean it, but I'm uh, I'm glad you came. Uh, not not because I need uh, I don't need validation, Amen. I'm not trying to seek uh, credit, but I'm glad you came, and I believe the Lord keeps track of all that. And I suppose there's about a million things you could be doing this week, but you chose to come to church, and I pray the Lord bless you for it. First Samuel chapter 16. When you find that, if you can, have you stand. We'll read about five verses and see what the Lord has for us tonight. 1 Samuel chapter 16. <clears throat> now the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 16 verse 1, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil, and go, I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take an heifer with thee, and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. And call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show thee what thou shalt do. And thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake, and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming, and said, Comest thou peaceably? And he said peaceably, I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. Brother Bob, would you ask the Lord to help us in the preaching tonight? Amen. Thank you. you. May be seated. Now, many of you know in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4, the Bible says that man shall not live by bread alone. You know that passage? You're familiar with it? But by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And I just want to exhort you just for a second before we try to grab the introduction to this a set of verses here and remind you what you already know, and that's the fact that, uh, as one feller said, the Bible is bread for our daily use, not just cake for special occasions. I like cake. I mean, I know you can't tell, but I mean, uh, the Bible is bread, and bread is what sustains uh, most of us. Now, so some of you have special diets you have to be on, but uh, that Word of God, as we've studied, we've looked at it, it'll feed your soul. And we're not here tonight just to tell stories, amen? But if you want some good stories, the Bible has the best stories, and they're clean stories. And, I mean, there's, there's some vicious stories in there, Amen. And uh, as we get closer to 1 Samuel chapter 17, some of the greatest stories ever told, uh, you know that in, in Hollywood there's not a single plot that is of, uh, has any originality. Matter of fact, if it come to originality, uh, if they had an original thought in their head, Hollywood, they had, it died of loneliness a long time ago, amen? 
And all that stuff, the plot, not the wickedness, but the plot comes from the Word of God. And I'm thankful that it's bread. I'm thankful that it's not only that, but like the manna over there in the book of Exodus, it's fresh every day. And if you try to live off of yesterday's bread, well, if you compare it to that manna, it stank. <laughs> right? And that means it's fresh. And uh, just like the mercies of God, they're new every morning. Aren't you thankful for that? I'm thankful for the mercy of God and... Uh, some days not as thankful as others until I really flop and make a mess or you know, try to dive in the shallow end of a pool, then I'm thankful for the mercy of God. Amen? But here in Samuel chapter 16, as we left chapter 15 last week, the Lord, he, what, is he, what has He done? He's canned a king, hasn't He? He fired him. The interesting part to me is he, he rejected him from being the king. He rejected him from reigning, but yet He still sits on that throne for another 20-some years. I find that interesting. That tells me that a man can be in a position, a position, and God has nothing to do with him for a long extended period of time. You say, what does that mean? i got to be careful as a preacher because the Lord's given me a position to feed sheep. And if I don't do it the right way, he'll reject what I'm saying. And the last thing I want is to get fired from my job. Because you know what? If I don't do my job, he'll fire me. And he'll get somebody else to do it. Amen? And unfortunately, there's too many Christians in, uh, in America sitting under a preacher right now that has been fired by the Lord. And they're sitting there and they're not getting a cotton-picking thing from the message. And that scares me to think that sheep would willingly gather and sit under a man who's preaching and yet he ain't preaching a thing in the world. But Saul, he's canned. He's done. He's fired. And that chapter 15 ends with the Lord canning King Saul. And uh, not only that, but in a fit of righteous rage. You like that? Righteous rage. Samuel chops Agag in pieces. You want to talk about vicious. Uh, can, you, uh, can you just picture that last piece of chapter 15 where Samuel takes out a sword? Where did he get the sword in the first place? I guess he was a sword-packing preacher, amen? <laughs> Maybe he grabbed uh, Saul's. Because uh, if you look back in uh, just a few chapters before, only Saul and Jonathan had swords. But maybe they now made swords. But where do you get that sword from? It's a picture of obeying the Word of God. And when you obey the Word of God and you carry the Word of God out, that thing cuts because it's like a two-edged sword, isn't it? And Samuel, he's God's man, and he's got God's weapon, God's manuscript there, and he just chops that king into pieces. And that's how we leave chapter 15. And Samuel goes back to his house, and he's a mess. You say, well, you know, I, I couldn't even imagine taking a man's life, could you? I couldn't. Uh, the thing of it is, is you and I watch it on television so much, we're all jaded now. Uh, the average person, they said a while back, watches 120 murders a week on television. And see, sin is now so jaded that we're used to it, we're calloused. But, uh, you know, you'd have to have a special touch of God onto you in that Old Testament situation, that Old Testament circumstance where Saul uh, takes that sword and he chops King Agag into pieces. I mean, probably spam when he was done, you know. <laughs> but that's how that thing ends. And uh, as we leave chapter 15 and we go into 16, you notice the, the similar thing in, in the last verse of 15 going into 16, trying to set this thing up, is Saul is in mourning. You know, I don't think for 30 seconds Saul, I'm sorry, Samuel's in mourning. Samuel did not enjoy having that information about Saul. I find it interesting because you don't read anything about Samuel getting upset or mourning 
when they didn't want his boys to reign. It's like he just like, yeah, you know what? It's too bad. I did the best I could, but they flopped. Let me tell you what. You're going to have kids one day. Some of them might just flop. Amen? But I notice that Samuel's not, he's not upset about his own boys not being used in the ministry, but the man that the people chose, and then God said, go ahead and make him king, He's upset about that, and he's mourning as you leave chapter 15, and he's mourning into the first part of chapter 16. It has tore him up. And what I see is I see Samuel. He's God's man, but he's God's mess. He's a mess. I think sometimes we breeze by these passages of Scripture, and we know it, and we believe it, and we've read it so many times, and I'm sitting here trying to think, and I'm not trying to overthink it, but Samuel is a mess. And what has happened right now, if you want to just put a bow on it and put it in a package, is everything has fallen apart. They wanted a king. They got a king. And now God fired the king that they had. Even though he's going to sit on the throne for another 20 years. And what I see from here is that I, I so much wanted to get into the anointing of David and farther into the chapter, but the breaks kept coming on this, this week and even into last week. And I kept getting hung up in the first five verses. And the Lord showed me that, you know what? In the Christian life, the bottom's going to drop out sometimes. And in the Christian life, sometimes you're going to wake up and you're going to be an absolute mess. Isn't that where we live? And if your life isn't a mess and you're young, praise the Lord for it, just give it a few years. <laughs> because, everyone, you know what? Every once in a while, you're going to wake up, you're going to get that phone call, and you are going to be a mess. But just remember, you're God's mess. And I want to try to preach today, if I can, just through these five verses in this text. I, I, what the Lord has shown me is what to do when things fall apart. What to do when things fall apart. Because uh, now, pushing 48 years old, things have fallen apart in my life a handful of times. Maybe a couple handfuls, amen? And when it first falls apart, you, uh, you don't know what to do, and you flip out, and you overreact, and you overthink, and you do... Sometimes wild and crazy things, or you, you just rely on your training, whatever that is. If you've trained your flesh to gratify the flesh, when things get tough, you'll seek for release. Whether it's by vice, or whether it's by, uh, you know, binging Netflix, or whether it's by eating a gallon of ice cream, I don't know what it is. But if you have trained yourself to rely on your flesh to get you through the hard times, you're going to rely on your training when things get bad. Amen? But I want to just try to preach just a little bit what, ha- what to do, what to do when things fall apart. And things have really fallen apart here. And the first thing I see here in verse 1, and, and I want to try to apply it the best I can to the Christian life. Amen. I want to try to be a help tonight if I can. The first thing I see when things fall apart, the first thing you're going to have to do is you're going to have to get past your fussing. That's it. It's real simple. It's real, real, real country boy theology tonight. Verse 1, the Lord, uh, he says uh, unto Samuel, verse 1, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? I want you to notice here in verse 1 that God didn't forbid Samuel the ability to mourn. But he's just asking him a question. He didn't forbid him to mourn. Rather, he's like, okay, okay, bro, are you done? And I don't think he's not being sarcastic, you know. I mean, I, I, I know you find this hard to believe. So time to time, I'm sarcastic and my kids are carrying on or something. Or possibly my wife, if I have a death wish, I'll go, are you done? Right? Said that before? But I see the Lord kind of saying, 
Okay, are you done? I'm just saying this. When things fall apart, the first thing I see here is you're going to have to get past your fussing. I think about Elijah. You know, the Lord didn't chew Elijah out for going to Juniper Junction, did he? He didn't. The Lord didn't chew Elijah out for being depressed. Uh, what did he do? Well, you know what he did. We preached this a number of times before. When he goes to Juniper Junction, he's like passing out by the fire. I'm imagining there's a fire there, so forth and so on. And when he wakes up, the Lord's got a meal ready for him, right? And then the Lord's got a cruise of water there, and he's got food there. And he eats and drinks, and he tucks him back in. Why? He's wore out. Imagine getting tucked in by the Lord. Come here. You say my prayers? I'm right here. You're talking to me. <laughs> right? But he, he didn't chew him out. Rather, he fed him. But listen, here's the point. It's not about God not chewing you out when, when you're upset and when you're depressed and you're disgusted and all that. Realize that the food and the water and the rest was not so Elijah could stay there. It was to enable him to get out of there. And I'm saying, if one things fall apart, the first thing I see in the passage is you're going to have to get past your fussing. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 4, uh, Solomon, the wisest man in the world, next to Jesus Christ, said this, a time to mourn. The Lord knew there was a time to mourn, but apparently the Lord's like, hey, time's up. <laughs> it's time to get past your fussing, amen? As a Christian, you fuss about a lot of things. You say, how do you know what I fuss about? Because I fuss about a lot of things, and half the time I fuss about things that I can't even touch or control. Now, you want to fuss about something, fuss about something you can control, and then fix it. But if you can't fix it, stop your fussing over it. I'm just saying, when the bottom falls out and things get bad and it all falls apart, the first thing in the passage you're going to have to learn to do is just simply stop your fussing. And sometimes, look, it feels good therapeutically. Someone tell me I'm wrong. It feels good to cry. It feels good to cry. Now, not every time... <laughs> But every once in a while, it feels pretty therapeutically good to have a good old cry. And that's why I think Solomon said there's a time to mourn. Not only that, there's a time to weep. And I believe there's a time to get past your fussing. And the things when the bottom falls out and things are all falling apart, the first thing you're going to have to learn to do as a Christian is you're going to have to learn to eventually get past your fussing. And the second thing I see here in verse 1 you're going to have to learn to take the time to get refilled, refilled. Verse 1, the Lord gives Samuel some instructions here. And he says in verse 1, fill thine horn with oil. Now, I'm not talking about the car horn. You know, you know, I've got some of us going out here, oh, my horn needs oil. You, know, but you might need some oil tonight, amen? But isn't it interesting, what is it back in about 1 Samuel chapter 10 and verse 1? When Samuel anointed Saul, he had a little bitty vial. But when he goes to anoint David the king, he says, take your horn. <laughs> you say, what? Oil is a type and picture of the Holy Spirit. I'm saying, listen, when the bottom drops out and things are bad and things are falling apart, you might just need to get a refill. I didn't say get resaved. You just might need a refill. You can obtain, you can possess something and still not be filled with it. I mean, you can, you can possess a dozen donuts. Amen? But that doesn't mean you're full of donuts. You hang around the donuts long enough, you might be filled with donuts, amen? But I'm just saying, the second thing I see in the passage is uh, you're going to have to take some time and get refilled. 
And that oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> In Psalm 45, verse 7, speaking of the anointing of Jesus Christ by God the Father, the Bible says, God hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. That oil in the Bible is a picture of the Holy Spirit. And you need a refill every once in a while. I'll say this, you need it daily. We're doing all right tonight. You need a refill daily. You say, well, the bottom isn't dropping out and things aren't falling apart. Well, this might be one of those messages you just need to tuck away and take a couple notes because it's going to happen. And uh, oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit. And just like oil, just like oil, the Holy Spirit illuminates. Uh, just like oil, the Holy Spirit comforts. Uh, just like uh, oil, the, uh, the Holy Spirit consecrates. You see that? The Holy Spirit is like oil in the Bible. And you might need a refill uh, this evening. And I'm thankful we can never lose the Holy Spirit, aren't you? John 14, verse 16, the Bible says, When the Comforter comes, he shall abide with you forever. But like I said, you can possess something and still not be filled with it. You see that? Paul commands us in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 28, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You say, all right, preacher, how in the world am I going to get filled with the Holy Spirit? I'll a couple different ways here. How about the first one? You could ask for it. When we pray, uh, we, I pray, I pray that I pray that the Lord would fill me with His Holy Spirit. You say, "Why?" I want the Lord to know that I'm willing to be filled. You can be filled by asking it. In Exodus twenty-eight three, the Lord talks about a man whom I have filled. Amen. So you can be filled by asking for it. Uh, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit by putting on the new man. That's Ephesians four twenty-four. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit by, you got, by focusing on putting on the new man. A lot of people think, well, if I stop doing this, I'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. It don't work that way. You see that? People say, well, I'll be more spiritual if I stop doing this. No, you might be less dirty if you don't do this or that. But because you don't do something doesn't make you more spiritual. It doesn't make you more filled with the Holy Spirit. It might put you in a position where you can get filled easier a lot of Christians think that if I stop this and I don't do this and if I try harder at this, that that'll fill... No, that's not how it works. Because if that's the case, well, there's a bunch of religious people out here not doing a bunch of things that Christians are doing that should be filled with the Spirit, and they're not even saved. I'm just saying, you might need a refill. You can be filled by asking for it, filled by putting on the new man. How about this one in Psalm 119, verse 130? Uh, you can be filled by putting in the right stuff. Putting in the right stuff. Over in Psalm 103, verse 5, you see the, a great picture of prayer. A man is renewed by prayer. And then in Colossians chapter 3, 10, a man is renewed through the word. So I'm just saying when the bottom drops out, not only uh, you need to get past your fussing, but you just might need a refill, a refill. A lot of Christians are running on empty, running on empty. And uh, I remember we first got married and I was working at McDonald's there and I drove that 89 Thunderbird, and I had a one-gallon gas can in the trunk, and I always kept one gallon of gas in there. You say, why? Because I was always running on empty. <laughs> so poor, couldn't pay attention, amen? And, uh, and you say, why? Because if I knew ran out, I knew one gallon would get me home, <laughs> amen? And a lot of Christians, like I said, you can't lose the Holy Spirit, but you can lose His power. And you might just need a refill tonight. I don't know what you're dealing with right now. 
But I know if you're a man, I know how you think. You're a gambler, and a lot of times your mind drifts. Amen. But uh, I say this: if uh, when when what to do when things fall apart? Number one, you got to get past your fussing. Number two, you got to take time. You got to take time and get refilled. And then thirdly, you have to determine to go a little farther. You have to determine to go a little farther uh, because of the king. Uh, look at verse 1. He says this in 1 Samuel 16, 1. He says, I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. So that's just a little play on the words. You need to determine to go further because of the king. One of the reasons Samuel went further right there instead of quitting is because God had something for him to do, and that had to do with anointing a king. I just say this. Oh, and next time everything is falling down around you, determine to go just a little bit farther because of the king. Because of the king. Amen. And you can go farther just by continuing. You ever stop and think about that? Uh, some people got the misunderstanding that unless you're doing a million things, you're not going farther for Jesus Christ. You can go farther just by continuing what you're doing. You see that? You can go farther with the Lord. You can go one more step with the Lord just by keep doing what you're doing. Look, every message that gets preached doesn't mean everyone needs to get kicked in the teeth and everyone needs to drag their sorry carcass up to an altar and they need to weep and wail and, and get all tore up and out of the frame and, you know, repent and go back and uh, now I'm right with God and then, oh, I sinned and oh, now i got to repent. And Listen, you just need to remember when the bottom falls out and things fall apart, you ready? You just need to remember to continue. Go a little farther. Paul says to Timothy... Continue in the things which thou hast learned. You notice he didn't say do this, do this, do this, do this. He just said continue. The business mindset is this. Here's the business mindset. It's not what you've done for me. It's what have you done for me lately. You know what the Lord says? Continue. Colossians chapter 4, 2. We should continue in prayer. Amen? Just keep praying. I hear, I hear this. I hate it when people say this. And it's, it's, just, it's just an honest assessment where I still hate it. Well, I just know I'm not where I should be. I'm like, well, get there then. <laughs> well, I know I should. Okay, well, if you know it, then just do it. I hate that. But you ought to just continue in prayer. Well, preacher, I didn't pray like I should have this. Really? You didn't pray like you should have? Well, no, you know, that hymn writer says, sweet hour of prayer. Okay. The hymn writer was also in 1800. You need to stop and think because what has happened over the years, and I'm not trying to rain on your parade when I say this, what happens when many preachers preach about prayer, what they're talking about is they want you to be in their position of prayer. Do you not pray during the week without getting down on your knees? Do you not pray? Do you pray sometimes without holding your hands? Are you still with me? I'm not trying to destroy the thought of purposeful in the position of prayer. But do you not? I'm glad you don't fold your hands and close your eyes when you drive and you're praying. You, <laughs> then you, everybody better pray if you're going to do that. This whole Jesus take the wheel mentality might work in Hollywood, but it will not work in the Christian life. Amen. <laughs> but you ought to continue in prayer. You ought to continue in the faith. That's Colossians 1.23. Just keep going. One more day. The gal sing a song and you've heard it before. You can make it. That's meant to encourage you. That's meant to get you to go one more day. 
because sometimes in the Christian life, you don't think you can go one more day. And I've been there and you've been there. You know what? You just got to keep going a little farther because of the king. You might not understand it. You might not see the reason. You might not see the purpose. But one day you'll see his face and it'll be worth it all. You got to go a little farther. Continue in the faith. You continue in prayer. Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.16, continue in doctrine. Listen, stop listening to the garbage out there. Doctrine is important. The reason we've had as much struggle within these walls is because of doctrine. It's not because of personality. It's not because you all are rude and terrible. Listen, you all the nicest people I ever met in my life. has nothing to do with it. It's because we take a stand on the King James Bible and we are continuing in doctrine. It's not just something we mention as a byword from time to time. We're teaching doctrine and we're preaching the Word of God without compromise. I didn't say we're doing the best job in Michigan. I'm just saying we're going that direction. Continuing doctrine is important. But you continue, how about this one, Hebrews 13, 1, continue loving the brethren. Amen? No matter if they're boneheads or not, you just keep loving the brethren. And listen, there are some brethren that you can't be around. I'm telling you right now, there are some brethren that you can't be around, but you can still love them. You might not like them, that's fine, but you can still love them. But you can't hang with them because they're not good for your Christian walk. And that's a tough separation deal, but you've got to continue to love the brethren. I want to give you number four here. When things fall apart, and I see it right here in the text, you know what you're going to have to do? Number four, you're going to have to allow the Lord to fill in the blanks. In your Christian life, there's a lot of blanks. And I'm not talking about the space between your ears either, amen? But in your life, there's a lot of blanks. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how much life you've lived. There are still a lot of blanks in your life in the future. There's things you don't know. There's things you are afraid of. There are concerns that you have. There are things that you're worked up about. And you have to allow the Lord in your Christian life to hear, fill in the blanks. Look at this, verse 2. Here's, here's one of the blanks the Lord fills in for Samuel. And Samuel said, how can I go? That's a great question. He just dressed down the king of Israel. The preacher dressed down the kid. That's a military term for chewed him out. I don't want you to get the idea. He took his clothes off, amen. He just chewed out the king of Israel in front of everybody. Amen? And now Samuel, he's scared. Here's a powerful man that just chopped up a wicked king in pieces. And now he's scared. You see it? I see it. And you're going to have to let the Lord fill in the blanks in your life sometime. There's sometimes you're not sure how you're going to get it done. You're going to have to ask the Lord and let him fill in the blanks. It says here in verse 2, and Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hear it, he'll kill me. And the Lord fills in the blank. Look what he says. Take an heifer with thee and say, I'm come to sacrifice to the Lord. But you know, I see the problem, at least in my Christian life. There's a lot of blanks, and I try to fill them in. Maybe it's just because I'm dumb, I'm stubborn, sometimes a little bit stupid. And I just try to like, oh, I got this, right? You see the sign all around during COVID, God's got this. True story. I don't care who put it out or not. I don't care how doctrinally it's a true sign. God's got it. And you and I don't. 
you've got to let him fill in the blanks. And if he's going to fill in the blanks, you've got to give him the pen or the pencil. You've got to say, Lord, how am I going to get it done? You see what I mean? You've got to keep that conversation. How in the world is this going to work? I can't support a family on this much. Oh, get your heifer. <laughs> but you've got to let the Lord fill in the blanks. Too many times we try to do it ourselves. Life has many blanks and it places we don't know what to do. And if you start filling in the blanks, you know what? You know what I know? It's just like a test you haven't studied for. The answers are wrong. Bible says over there in the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 23, here's one of the wisest preachers I ever read about in the Bible. O Lord, I know that the way of man is not himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. I'm going to tell you what you already know. You can't figure it out. You're not smart enough to figure out your own life. There's a lot of blanks, and you got to let God fill in the blank because if you keep trying to fill in the blank, you'll keep getting it wrong. I'm trying to help you tonight. When things fall apart, you've got to let God fill in the blanks. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 7. Everyone loves 5 and 6. Great passage of Scripture, amen. Trust the Lord with all thy heart and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he's directed. Great passage, but we never seem to fit 7 in there. Be not wise in thine own eyes. You're not as smart as you think you are. I ain't either. About the time I got the thing figured out, the Lord's like, wrong answer. <laughs> I mean, I, it looks the same. I mean, it smells the same. It tastes the same. He said, no, let me fill in the blanks. Let me give you the instruction of what you need to do because the way you keep going is a wreck. You got to let the Lord fill in the blanks. Not only that, in Proverbs, uh, Psalm rather, tw amen, 2714, we ignore it. Great verse, great song. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. I don't know about you, but some of the biggest struggles in my Christian life is just, just about wanting to do something rather than to wait. Hardest thing to do is wait. Hard to wait on God for a purchase. Hard to wait on God for advice. Hard to wait on God for even simple things in life. Hard to wait on God for direction. So we do it ourselves. Oh, I've already been there, done that, got the t-shirt, and we're wise in our own eyes. And Jeremiah's like, you can't do it. You're not smart enough, man. Oh, I'll be all right. And then six months later, I don't know why God's treating me this way. And I don't know why everything always ends up in his... Hello, light bulb. <laughs> you are wise in your own eyes. You know you're not stupid, but you just... Not smart enough to figure out your own life. You got to let God fill in the blanks. You've heard us say it before. If you don't know what to do, thank the Lord. <laughs> don't do nothing at all. That's the hardest thing to do. Man, in my 20s, if, if I didn't know what to do, I invented something to do. It invariably ended up in disaster 90% of the time, but... I. Far be it for me to not have... What? See, that's a problem with being a man. You know what a man's problem is? He's a know-it-all. Oh, I know what to do. I know how to get that stump out of the ground. I think I pull it out with the truck. You ain't going to leave your axle in the backyard, what you're going to do. You ain't smart enough to figure out your own life. You got to let the Lord fill in the blanks, and that keys right into this. Number five, this is real close. You have to learn to walk by faith. Look at verse three. You've got to let the Lord fill in the blanks and you've got to learn 
to walk by faith. Bible says in verse 3, and call Jesse to the sacrifice. Look what he says. And you see it? I will show thee. You notice how the Lord doesn't give his man everything in advance. He says, you go here and I'll show you what to do next. Man, that got me excited. I'm like, whew. Okay, by the time you start showing me, Lord. He's like, you got to get where I told you to go first. I'm like, oh, yeah, and then I got to go back through my notes. Oh, oh, okay. Remember we preached a while back why the Lord gets quiet? A lot of times the Lord gets quiet because he's already told you what to do. You're just not doing it. And you want the Lord to tell you more, but you haven't done what he's asked you to do. So here you have to learn to walk by faith, and he says, he says here in verse 3, And call Jesse to the sacrifice, he gives him something to do, and I will show thee what thou shalt do. He says, you go there, and you call Jesse to the sacrifice, and then I'll show you what to do. That's walking by faith. A lot of times, Christians, I don't know about you, but I so much, I, I want to see the whole picture. Lord, why can't, I, why can't this all be taken care of now? And then it reminds me of what the old preacher said. Earth is a place for trust. Heaven is a place for answers. We have to learn to trust. We have to learn to live by faith. And many times the Lord will let you get in a fix. He'll let you get, in, he'll let you get into a knot that you can't untie just so you have to rely on Him. Man, you think you're 10 feet tall and bulletproof. Man, you got the answers and you got the bank account to back it up. And the next thing you know, you're like, how in the world did I get here? How in the world did I get here in my mind? You just have to learn to walk by faith. You have to learn to trust Him. You don't get the whole picture. The Bible says in Isaiah 58, 11, And the Lord shall guide thee continually. I'm thankful that I serve a God that stays with me and gives me continual guidance. Aren't you glad? He just didn't save you and said, Hey, see you see when you die. I'll see you at the funeral, boss. But he'll guide you continually. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 18. You know the verse here. Path of the justice is a shining light that shineth more and more. That means the more you walk by faith, the more he gives you the light. He doesn't give you all the light at once. It's like the manna. You need it every day. You need that light. It's, he said, the word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. You know what we want? We want a spotlight that lights up the entire universe. And we want to know this, that, and the other. And the Lord's like, look, just trust me. You have to learn to walk by faith. And he tells Jesse, or he tells Sam, you get Jesse the sacrifice, and I'll show you what to do next. Isn't that why the Lord told the disciples in Matthew chapter 6, verse 11, to pray, give us this day our monthly budget. <laughs> you say, well, you need a budget. You're probably right there. He didn't say, give us, this, give us this month our monthly bread. Give us this day our daily bread. But we're so self, we're, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? We're so self-reliant. And it's like, if we can't provide it, we go, Lord, what's wrong? And he's like, I'm trying to get you to teach me to have, you know, live by faith. <laughs> Living by faith in Jesus above, right? Trusting, confiding in his great love. And that's really high, so I won't finish the song. Amen. Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, For we walk by faith, not by sight. But Christian, isn't it true? We walk by sight most of the time. It's not until the Lord 
many times puts us in that position where we can't move. Sometimes he'll put us in a position where we, we're in the bed and we can't get up. You know what he wants us to do? He wants us to learn to walk by faith. He wants us to trust him. Listen, when the bottom is falling out and things are falling apart, we have to learn to walk by faith. And we've covered a little bit. Look at verse 4. I'll give you number 6 here. You have to remember to follow God's instructions. You have to remember to follow God's instructions. In verse 4, the Bible says, And Samuel did that which the Lord spake. little simple phrase, but you know what Samuel was? He was obedient. He just followed instructions. How many times you told your kids, follow directions, <laughs> and then they don't? Yeah. Go find that whatever and the wherever. Oh, I can't find it. You go, and it's right where you said it was. They can't follow directions. You know, here, I want you to do this. And they come back, and they cut the grass, and they, you know, paint the house, and all you wanted was a glass of sweet tea, you know. <laughs> follow directions, man. <laughs> That's how we are in a Christian life. The Lord wants us just to follow the directions that he gives us. A lot of times we're so interested in impressing others or impressing the Lord with what we think we know and how far we are spiritually. And the Lord's like, I, I just want you to love me. I didn't need all that other stuff. As you find out in 15, it is better to obey than to sacrifice. A lot of Christians many times sacrifice. We're sacrificing for Jesus. Yeah, but you're not obeying him. You're not following orders. That's what gets the Lord upset, and that's what gets our fellowship in a yank, is not following directions. Well, obedience is following God's instructions, and obedience in 1 John 1.7 is the key to fellowship. If you won't obey God, you won't have the right type of fellowship with Him. In 1 John 1.4, obedience is the key to joy. You ever wonder why you run into so many joyless Christians? I call them crabby Christians. You get in my house the right days of the week, you'll find me, amen? But he says, these things have I written unto you, talking about fellowship, talking about obedience, that your joy might be half empty, full. I mean, if there is a, if there's a measuring stick on joy, John wrote that thing by permission from the Holy Spirit so that you would be full of joy. But face it, we empty out on joy pretty quick, don't we? But if you follow directions, that obedience is the key to your joy in the Christian life. If you're upset, if you're unhappy, maybe it's just because you're not following the directions that God gave you. Well, obedience is the key to fellowship. It's the key to joy. In Romans 13, 5, obedience is the key to a good conscience. Interesting thing about that good conscience, if you don't obey, if you don't obey the Lord, you've got a bad conscience towards the Lord. And if you don't obey man's rules you got a guilty conscience when you're on the freeway. <laughs> Amen? You know what I know about a guilty conscience? A couple things. Amen? A guilty conscience has a tendency to project itself on other people. So let that sink in just for a little bit. If your conscience isn't right in, in how you treat other people, many times you'll think everyone else is going to treat people like you do. If you have a good conscience towards God, Paul says, I, he says, I always, uh, I'm paraphrasing, try to have a, good, a conscience void of offense towards God and man, then you have a tendency to think well of other people. But if all you do is this guy is an idiot and this guy is a jerk and this guy is stupid, he don't know his head from a hole in the ground, 
whoa, 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 it's, your conscience is shot. Why? You're not following directions. It's the key to fellowship. It's the key to joy. It's the key to a good conscience. And in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, notice obedience is the key to communication. As you obey, the Lord can trust you with more and more. In verse number 7, the Lord speaks again to, uh, to Samuel. And he said in verse 7, But the Lord said unto Samuel, and he begins talking again. I'll show you this because the Lord was waiting for Samuel to do what he had told him. He was waiting for Samuel to follow his directions. He follows directions and notice when Samuel gets ready to make a decision, the Lord intervenes and says, whoop, 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 whoop. You see what I mean? I believe many times if our communication was right with the Lord, if our fellowship was right in the Lord, when we go to make a dumb move, I believe he can get a hold of us. It's the key to communication. It means the Lord can trust you and show you just a little bit more. Well, we're almost done here. I want to give you number seven here. You have to remember when things are falling apart in the Christian life. You have to remember. Now I'm running alliterations with F here, so sorry about this. And don't freak out. Okay? When things are falling apart, you can't freak out. I'll show you this. <clears throat> Verse number four. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming. You say, well, why can't I freak out? Well, I just showed you because a lot of other people are already freaking out. You see it? They are wigging out. I don't, I don't care whatever adjective you put there. And I'm telling you, when things, things are falling apart, you can't freak out as a Christian, number one, because there's a bunch of other people already freaking out. And the last thing we need is everyone freaking out at the same time. Not only that, why are they freaking out? Well, uh, how about this one? Because they have a guilty conscience. Samuel shows up. What has just happened? they got a guilty conscience. The people of Bethlehem, they've got a bad conscience, and they know that they should have stepped in and stopped Saul. They know that Saul has gone off the rails, and they should have stepped in, and they should have done something about that. But that whole thing with Amalek went south because it was Saul and the people. So the elders, they know better. You find that out in John chapter 8 with all those people getting around uh, uh, when the Lord goes in there and uh, gets uh, that gal that was caught in adultery and, and, and says, uh, he that is without sin cast first. So the Bible says over there that they left out the eldest first. You say, why? They got a bad conscience. They know they should have been doing something about Saul. They should have stepped in. They should have, they should have not done what they did. So some people, some Christians are flipping out in 2023 because they got a bad conscience. They know they should be doing right, but they're not doing right. So now they're flipping out. That's why you can't freak out. <laughs> but not only that, how about this? These people are freaking out because of the manner of zeal in which Saul or Samuel hewed Agag in pieces. You know, some people serve the Lord with a lot of zeal. And can I say this from the standpoint of Samuel? Everyone can't do it like Samuel does it. Samuel had a specific job, and it's job that was just for one man, and he took that sword, and word had already gotten out that he chopped old Agag up in pieces, and he dressed Saul down, and they were flipping out because of the zeal in which Samuel carried out his job for the Lord. You've got to remember that everyone can't do it like you do it. 
It might be all some Christians can do to muster up the strength to come to one service a week. That's a blessing if they come. Because that's one service. They're not going down to the Charismaniacs Church. Amen? That's one service. They're not going to the Roman Catholic Church. You see what I mean? Everyone can't do it. You get over there to Acts chapter 27, the shipwrecks, and the stronger ones, the Bible says, some swam. Some swam to the other side. Uh, I don't swim, I float, amen? But it takes a lot of strength to swim. It does, uh, especially if you're in a sea. And then it says some uh, were on some broken boards. That means some weren't as strong as the other swimmers, right? And so they had to, had to have a little bit of help. That's like Christians. They're not everyone's strong, and not, not everyone is like the, the crowd that, that everyone is here tonight serves the Lord. Not everyone's part of that crowd. And some people flip out because of the zeal in which you do serve the Lord. And listen, have the zeal. It's the right. Samuel did the right thing, chopped him up into pieces, man. It was like shish kebab. But some people freak out because of the manner of zeal in which you serve the Lord, and everyone can't do it like you do it. But listen, the reason you can't freak out when things begin to fall apart is uh, I want to show you in this final point, because if you freak out, you can't help others. If you freak out in your Christian life and you become, uh, you become like that, that, uh, that nervous sheep, right? You become like that frightened deer. You become like that, like that cat <laughs> cranking around in the car, flipping out, right? Going cr- don't, don't transport cat in a car unless you got it in one of them kitty boxes with the three or four locks on it, amen? It just, just doesn't pay. But listen, you can't freak out because if you can't do, uh, if you freak out, you can't help other people. You can't minister to them. Here's the thing. Sheep will not eat if they're nervous. Amen? That's why David said, he leadeth me beside still waters. Can you imagine going to church and everything just, just one just catastrophe after another and this brother doesn't like that brother and this sister's got a problem with this sister and just... Just, you know, the Hatfields and the McCoys and, and the preacher's up in the pulpit and he's, a, you know, he's creating drama and I know some of you aren't going to like this and I know this is real controversial and you're just going to have... Really? Y'all are sheep. You need still water to drink from. Man, if I thought my message was going to irritate some people, I surely wouldn't tell you. <laughs> Why? I don't want to be part of that. Well, I love you. I want to feed you. And now if the Holy Spirit gets all over you, blame Him. Sheep need still water. A nervous animal will not eat. They'll just run. A nervous animal will fight. They think you're backed into a corner. Or it'll just do something stupid and go off and die. We had a cat. I can't remember the name of the cat was. Had a bunch of kittens. Okay, me and Callie, duh. And uh, I don't know, something happened to it. It just, it got sick, it got nervous, it got skittish, it got scary. It just went out in the woods and died somewhere. That's like sheep, man. <laughs> I'm just saying, listen, when things start falling apart, you can't freak out. You know what I see in 2023? Christians constantly freaking out. And uh, if you're to that point where you're flipping out all the time, I know this, you're under pressure. Because when you're under pressure, you do things you normally don't do. If I see some, a Christian and they're doing something stupid, at least by my estimation of stupid, generally that means they're under a lot of pressure. 
Well, this is what a lot of the brethren say. Well, it's their bed. They made it. They lay in it. Okay, well, what if they didn't make it? Still their bed. Now what are you going to do, big mouth? <laughs> right? I'm telling you, when people start acting out of character, they're usually under some kind of pressure. And when you're under pressure, you might be all calm, cool, and collected now, but let somebody uh, take you to court and see how you react. Uh, let your spouse uh, say, uh, it's been real good, been a nice 28-year run, but we're done. And then see how much you serve the Lord. You see what I mean? You just don't know. That's why, as a Christian, when the bottom drops, you got to be careful that you don't flip out, you don't freak out. It's all right to say that, isn't it? You know what I'm talking about. Christians go crazy these days. Let me give you the last one, and I am done. When things begin to fall apart, number eight here, you have to allow the Lord to feed others through you once again. You have to allow the Lord to feed others through you once again. Listen, I know many times, I'll give you the, the, the correlating passage here in a second, but we often think, well, I'm coming to church, and pastor's going to preach, or he's going to teach, and I'm going to get something. That's the way it should be, amen? But never forget that you are supposed to commit to others what you've been given. You say, well, I can't do that. Okay, it's a process. You'll get there. But God just didn't, uh, God just didn't put you here just to be sponges. Every once in a while, you've got to go out in this community, and you've got to be wrung out, and then come back in. If, if preaching gets boring, if preaching gets mechanical, if preaching gets tiresome, maybe you just ain't been wrung out lately. Maybe you're just like, you know, like that little puppy dog we preached about the other, you know, eats all the puppy chow in the bag, and he just falls over, his legs are up. Maybe you just need to be wrung out, squeezed out so you can feed other people. You got to let God use you to feed others once again. Verse 5, notice this here in verse 5, the Bible says, and he said, peaceably, I'm come to sacrifice in the Lord. Sanctify yourselves. Here it is. And come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. Look over verse 11. Uh, <clears throat> he says, And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him. For we will not, what? Sit down till he come thither. Now, that's a sacrifice, but it looks like to me he's getting ready to have a, a meal. And it would make sense with Sammy the prophet and that, that heifer there is not only for sacrifice unto the Lord, but part of it was to be ate and fellowship with each other to him. And see, that's, I know Samuel's purpose was to go over there and anoint that king, but the other purpose for was to minister to that family. And see, I, I can't minister to everyone that y'all can minister to. Some of you have avenues and you know people and friends and families that I'll never see. I'll never minister to. But see, one of the purpose God has for you is to be able to feed some other people, some other sheep. And you start letting the bottom drop out and you throw in the towels and you call it quits and you say, well, it doesn't really matter and I'm not important. I'm telling you what, you won't be able to feed the people that God wants you to feed and God has someone here for you to feed. Samuel sent to call a family to a sacrifice, which invariably included a meal. you got to remember when Peter had his meltdown, amen? He had his meltdown. He got out of fellowship with the Lord. It's not about denying the Lord, but that's what he did. And then he uh, goes through that period of time there, and all of a sudden, John chapter 21, Peter's out in the boat. He's like, they weren't supposed to be fishing, but 
He just went back to the old way of doing things. And he's out in the boat naked. That's what the Bible says. <laughs> he was naked. Uh, I'm not laughing because he was naked. It's just because he's naked. You know what I mean? Anyways, the Lord, uh, Lord's on the beach, and they don't know it's the Lord. You see what I mean? When you, uh, you start doing things you shouldn't, you can't discern who it is talking to you sometimes. You can't discern the Lord's voice. There was only one person could tell whose voice it was, and that was John. That's because John was always the closest to the Lord. And he says, children, have you any meat? And John says, Peter, it's the Lord. You're naked. <laughs> you know, Jeremy's version there. And he comes in there, and they come up, uh, and after, you know, about killing themselves to bring in all the fish, right? Because they're fishing on the wrong side of the boat. Amen. And this time, since it's after Calvary, the net didn't break because now that Christ has become the sacrifice and nobody slips out of the net. Ain't that a blessing? Not what we're preaching tonight, but that's a good point to think about. And they come up to the shore, and you know what he's got? He's got bread and fish on the fire. He doesn't chew Peter out. Hey, stupid, what are you thinking? You deny me there, I could use you there, man. Hey, I'm here. He sits down, they all have a good meal. And the Lord turns to Peter and he says, Lovest thou me more than these? He said, Lord, I love you. He said, Feed my lambs. He says again, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? Lord, I love you. He said, Feed my sheep. A little time passed. He said, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? He says, Feed my sheep. He says it again, third time. He said, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Well, the Lord wanted Peter to feed somebody. And the last thing you hear from Peter is 1 Peter chapter 5. And that's the last chapter in 1 Peter 5. The last Peter goes out in the New Testament. Chapter 5, you know what he goes out in? Feed the flock of God. You know what he understood? Got to feed the sheep. It's just my job, not just my job to feed the sheep, but God has someone for you to feed between now and Sunday. Whether it's just an encouraging word, whether it's just an affirmation, hey, I'm just thinking about you, praying for you. Make sure you're praying for him, amen. And I spend two hours in prayer. You know, pray during while you're working. Lord, bless so-and-so and help them and bless the work of their hands and, and tell them, hey, I'm just thinking about you. Someone to feed, someone to encourage. And listen, when the bottom drops out, this passage right here, verses 1 to 5, and it shows me how to stay, stay where I need to stay. It shows me what to do. And all the things had fallen apart for Samuel, he was able to stop his fussing. He was able to get refilled. He was able to let the Lord fill in the blanks and walk by faith. He was able to follow God's instruction without freaking out. And once again, he was able to feed and minister to others as he'd done so many times before. And I believe that's what the Lord wanted us to see tonight in this passage. So I'll ask you the question. Is the bottom dropping out? Are things falling apart for you? I'll tell you this, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. Just keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. Why don't you stand?